I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Finally decided that we're going to do a long weekend retreat because everyone's been asking us and we just wanted to find the perfect place. So we did. Yeah. And I think it's nice because there's something about doing a four night, three day retreat that makes it a little bit more accessible to everyone when a full week away can be tough. Totally. And, you know, we really decided to do it this time on just so many of the themes that feel alive in our work with our clients and what the, you know, the conversations we're having in our group work with clients um, around the shift in what's happening right now in the collective. Yeah. And what's happening for women. And I think it's a really unique moment in history that we're living through. You see it in so many of the conversations that are happening with, you know, the success of the Barbie movie, the way we're really challenging these patriarchal structures that we talk about constantly and how much the level of discontent and, mm-hmm. um, knowing that something needs to change within my life, but what does that look like even knowing it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are coming to us in a therapeutic setting and they're telling us that they're feeling, you know, overwhelmed, resentful, disillusioned with their life, disconnected, right? That they're struggling to really identify kind of what is theirs and what is social programming, that they want something different and bigger from their lives, but they're not really sure, like, how, what does that look like and how do I get there, right? Yeah. So we want to create a long weekend where we're going to give you some of the tangible tools that we have incorporated into our own lives that we're working with and the clients that we work with and really what it looks like to start to embody the rise of the feminine principle that we know this moment in history 
sort of prophesize to be about for all of us, right? Hell yeah. So we're also going to walk away really understanding what it means um, to envision our life with a real authentic sense of clarity, with purpose, with aliveness. We're going to have no apologies here, right? We're going to also break down some of the limiting beliefs and where they come from, right? So we're going to get into the upbringing component. Um, why and where is all of this highly codependent, patriarchal, misogynistic kind of, um, you know, approach to life? Like, why are we carrying this, right? It's really important for us to understand and break that down. Yeah. So we're calling it the return of the sovereign feminine. It's going to be in Malibu, California, at the most beautiful estate, January 18th through 21st. And we're just really excited about this one. It feels really close to our hearts. Yeah. So you can click on either of our bio links on Instagram or social, um, or you can go to my website, vanessabena.com uh, backslash retreats, and you can check out all information there. This week's episode is sponsored by Astrology Hub. So I recently booked a reading on Astrologer Connect, and I was so impressed by my astrologer's ability to take super complex ideas and make them easy to digest for someone like me who is so annoyingly left-brained. I was surprised actually to get deeper insight into some relationship stuff I've been working with and also some career insight for next year. And all of this from a one-hour astrology reading. Yeah, my reading was a little bit too on point. I think I even jokingly asked her if she'd been talking to my therapist, but she definitely brought up some important growing edges that I know I need to step into over the next couple of years. Astrology Hub is a one-stop shop for astrology fans around the world to find more connection, purpose, and magic in the stars. Their community was born out of a desire to provide astrology followers of all levels with high-quality, accessible, and practical guidance and teachings. And today, their team of heart-based astrologers reaches hundreds of thousands of people every week through their podcasts, online courses, workshops, forecasts, and one-of-a-kind astrology reading platform, Astrologer Connect. So what makes their reading platform unique is that their astrologers are highly vetted, reputable, and span various specialties. They offer both scheduled and on-demand sessions. They offer a short matchmaking quiz to find the perfect astrologer for you. And we both actually did the quiz, and it was super fun to see who we got matched with. They also offer the capability to search for an astrologer by language and specialty, so career, love, finance, health, and more. And their platform is backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. So if you have questions that you want some astrological guidance on, check out Astrologer Connect at astrologyhub.com backslash astrologerconnect and easily book a reading for the future or connect instantly with your matched astrologer. Plus, from now until December 25th, you can use code THERAPY15 for 15% off an astrology reading. Such a fun holiday gift idea. Gift one to yourself or to your friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. So today we are talking to Veronica. And Veronica, you wrote in talking about how you've been doing some pretty intense recovery in the last few years around um, an abusive childhood, right? You also had two marriages that ended in a pretty dramatic divorce um, with religious beliefs kind of being part of it, right? Like the crux of it. Um, but now you're back in dating again. And it's, you said that you're terrified of revealing your background and story. Um, you know, am, am I sharing too much? Am I too much to handle? Uh, what's the balance between honesty and self-respect? Um, and so, and so really kind of grappling with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So what I realized quite, quite a while ago is that in the beginning, you know, in that early stage of sort of getting out of it and being in the haze, mm. 
of actually understanding what happened and still sort of being the crazy one, right? <laughs> Among all the friends. And I technically had to just commit social suicide because when you're connected to a community, you sort of have to choose them all the way. And the sources of comfort that I had at the moment, at, the, at those moments were, I realized that I overshared with them, all of mm. them, because you don't really know your boundaries at that time. At that time, you're just bleeding mm. all over the place. So, um, and psychotherapy was something that no one ever told me about or even mentioned. Mm. It was just, you know, I was 21, then I was 23. I mean, I was very young at the time. And so now having that perspective, having gone through psychotherapy, having gone through uh, many somatic re-experiencing and stuff like that, um, now it's sort of <laughs> when I meet new people, um, for example, when I'm dating and I've met a couple of guys and some of them have understood that I've been through a couple of things. But at the same time, the struggle is sort of you can't really reveal like 20% of what's happened to you. And so, oh, this is how I am the way I am. It's like, it's either the full thing or nothing at all. And I feel that like my close friends, they know the whole thing, but it's sort of inappropriate in the first sort of stages to reveal all the, you know, the full story. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, so self-respect is one thing, but if someone, if I would be on the other side, I would want the other person to tell me their background. I mean, in my case, there's been all kinds of, you know, the full shit show, you know, there's been rapes, there's been childhood abuse, there's been, you know, defamation, there's been religious abuse, all of it. And I don't want to spit it out on someone, but at the same time, mm -hmm. it would explain so much who I am, what I am. For example, I have absolutely no contact with my parents. I had to cut them off, unfortunately after many painful years and so on and so on. So just that question kind of <laughs> creates. So now I'm struggling to actually bond with others because mm. bonding with someone would require me to be vulnerable and explain my story. But at the same time, <laughs> the more time passes and the more people I speak to, the more I understand that my story is pretty colorful. <laughs> Let's put it... Let's put it that way. To me, it's just the norm. To me, it's just like, yeah, well, that's how I grew up. Like my mom hit me mm. almost every day. And people look at me like, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, for example, and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of what I, where I'm struggling when I'm meeting someone new. And, you know, um, very often in your podcast and in all other content, I've heard that, you know, vulnerability is what makes us connect. And, and that's how it is for me with other friends. Like if they are vulnerable, if they share something, soar with me that's when we connect if I ask them how are you doing and they're like oh I'm excellent I'm really well all the time then we don't really have the opportunity to connect right mm -hmm. so that's the sort of space I'm in right now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like I see Danae's wheels turning it's <laughs> <laughs> turning yeah you know Veronica there's a couple of things I like how you called it colorful at the end right mm -hmm. um and I think that there's some work for you to play with around the way that I'm holding the experiences of my childhood, not mm -hmm. so much in the ways that I'm still unpacking or processing all of what that was for me, but, you know, like a little bit of a, I'm trying to think of 
the words I want to use to say what I mean. Um, Like a narrative that somehow that means something about my brokenness or that I'm sort of, um, you know, I need to give people a heads up so that they can sort of like decide whether or not this is what I, Mm. this is why I am the way I am. Yeah. That energy. Right. And Mm. I think, first of all, whatever our childhood experiences have been, and they're, they're vast and different for all of us. Nobody gets through childhood unscathed. Right. Mm. Um, but those experiences that you've had have certainly informed the woman that you have become and who you're becoming, but they are not who you are, my love. And so mm-hmm. it becomes really, while I think we're holding a couple truths at the same time that I don't think everyone is entitled to or a safe space to hold the tender spaces of our heart and that that can sometimes be... Um, a sacred container that is earned when, when we have a certain amount of safety with someone. Mm -hmm. I think for you though, your work is to really examine how I'm holding the, the things that have happened in that I am making that mean something about me and that Mm -hmm. what someone would be getting into by getting involved with me. Does that make sense? Mm, That does make sense. I I just, I never saw it that way because I thought, well, (laughs) It's as if naturally one thinks one comes with luggage somehow, mm-hmm. because of course, I mean, when I, when I meet people and they're like, Oh, you know, me and my parents will meet on a weekly basis. Everything is sort of fine. You know, of course, everyone, mm-hmm. as you say, no one gets through childhood unscathed, but it's as if the more I understand how abnormal things were and it takes time because. <laughs> And, and, and many like experiences of mirroring and stuff like that. And also, especially the fact that I was sort of pushed into two marriages because mm. I was in a community where it was unacceptable to be alone with a man in a room for more than like two hours, unless you were married, which was, mm. um, you know, it was absolutely unbelievable. And within those marriages, there was violence, there was sexual abuse and so on and so on. So just that it feels to me as if there's one part of me is like, how do I explain all of this? And two, is this not too heavy for someone to carry? Like, doesn't this color the person that's in front of you? And that's sort of what I want to avoid because it's happened before Mm -hmm. um, that when it's come to light, so to speak Mm -hmm. that, Oh, you know, with one of my exes, she's divorced. Hell broke loose. Mm. I know that that's not the case with everyone else, but like what I'm fearing, I suppose, is I'm a very lighthearted, very sort of like charismatic, very easygoing individual on the first maybe five dates or so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when it comes, when we go deeper, perhaps it just, there's just this not to fear. Yeah which I can imagine people, you know, for example, victims of childhood sexual abuse, which thankfully didn't happen to me. That's like one box that I can't take out of all the 25 and all of that. So I can imagine that that's the shame that one feels. And so to myself, I've accepted it as part of who I have become because without it, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known what I know and wouldn't have, you know, been what I've been and so on. It's just a matter of knowing how to adequately share it with someone. And so they also have the option of actually pushing it away, saying, Mm. I've also had someone, once again, 
scream at me saying you're too broken. You, like I, I cannot, I can't. And I understand it now today that it wasn't really about me. It was about them being afraid mm -hmm. of there being something behind. But yeah, I'm all over the place. I don't know where oh, I'm going yeah. with this, but you understand where, where it's coming from. And I can imagine I'm not the only one with this experience. Not at yeah. All. I mean, it's, it's a, I, th I don't know. So what's coming up for me, I guess, is, is, and I'm going to try to put this into words, is this idea of, I think it's building off of what Danae said, which is so much of our life's work, kind of regardless of what those experiences were when we were growing up, is a practice of accepting myself for who I am. Um, continued practice of self-compassion, continued practice of, um, you know, I've got my back. I love me unconditionally. Mm -hmm. I am there for myself unconditionally, regardless of who's around me, right? And there definitely is an energy, I think, in which we move through the world when we still wish that there were some parts of our, our story that we could rip out, right? And I also mm -hmm. wonder energetically, um, you know, how much we, mm, Danae, you're going to have to help me if I'm not articulating this, but it's like... <sighs> If I energetically hold the space of I am not in acceptance of myself, then I tend to invite into my space those who will also be in a state of judgment or in a state of not being able to hold um because it tends to be like an energetic exchange, if that makes sense. Like if I yeah. continue to do the work, which you're doing, that's what you're doing of acceptance and of building that relationship with self. And I have, I get to a place where I have zero shame over the fact that I've had divorce, right? Um, as just using one example, um, then I'm more likely to be in an intimate situation with somebody who also doesn't give a shit that I've, mm. for example, been through divorce. Um, and so it, it's hard for me to articulate because it's energy. It's not something that I can really put my finger on, but I, but I've noticed this in other ways. Like I've, I've no, Danae and I actually were just talking a little while ago about this idea of, you know, if I grew up as a child with this belief that I wasn't enough, mm. then I am, that I am unconsciously going to choose partners who are going to poke at and almost reinforce the belief that I am not enough. Mm. Does that make sense? And yeah. it's, it's a psyche oh, sure. way, oh. right? Of kind yeah. of continuing to present to you an opportunity to do that work and heal that wound and really get in there, right? And so if we can see it as such, then I, I think it kind of provides us an opportunity to say, what is this person mirroring back to me uh, that I can then take from that experience and, and go deeper into my practice of healing that like not enough wound or I'm, you know, I am broken wound or whatever that, that wounding is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. It's just funny because it, it, precisely what you were saying is what happened to me in my, you know, in my previous relationships, of course, early twenties, what are we doing? We're just trying, desperately trying to repair subconscious old wounds, right? Yep. That's, precisely what happened i basically got together with a copy of my mom and then a copy of my dad and then you know mm -hmm. the feeling i get now is like you i am in full acceptance of myself and my story and now in fact i got this question from uh from a friend the other day like if you would have changed something if you could change something in your past would you have done that and i genuinely felt that in my heart that i wouldn't mm. even if i even if I would have to go through it again. So towards myself, mm -hmm. it feels like, okay, no, I'm, I'm fine on that level. It's just that 
when I've heard this several times from people that I've met, new people and, and, and so on, that, you know, you seem to be so genuine and so grounded. And the thought that comes up in me is, oh, you just wait. There are so many skeletons in the closet that you yeah. don't know of. And this whole, because I grew up with that. I grew up with images, everything, what you look like, smile, put on it, you know, yeah. all of that. I'm not going to go into that. But it's not that I'm acting from that place. It's just that I'm guarding myself a lot because I'm thinking, oh, just wait until they see the crack. Mm-hmm. And so which crack are they going to see first? Because, of course, I wouldn't want to, because one guy that I went out with, he said, oh, I was really upset when I stopped. And, and I actually broke up with a girl after eight months after I found out that she was hiding something from me that I would have wanted to know in the beginning and I wouldn't have judged her for it. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I understood the girl. I was like, well, maybe she was really embarrassed and it had nothing to do with you. And I understand that that's like a parting of ways. And that's something I'm trying to avoid as well. Like mm-hmm. if I'm getting to know someone and keep them on a shallow level and then I drop a bomb, like <laughs> I was defamed for being mentally ill which I'm not, I've never been diagnosed with a mental illness, but it was a breakup. There had to be some sort of a destruction of reputation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so on and so on, you know, and actually your podcast with accepting to be a villain in someone else's story really massaged that knot out of me. That's like five years old, but, and that's okay. Like I've accepted even that, but it's as if there is this fear that, First and foremost, if we're going to unpackage something, we're going to have to unpackage the whole package (laughs) because you can't just say, I don't speak to my parents, period. I don't want to talk about it. Why? Doesn't that leave a whole bunch of space for speculation of absolutely anything? Like, doesn't that? So what? That makes me look crazy, right? Like well, one of those I, rude. I, I'm, right? I'm pushing you a little bit because I'm mm-hmm. watching you kind yeah. of spin. I'm what I'm watching you do is kind of spin in uh, in a way that like you're trying to convince yourself of. How do I say this? You're trying to convince yourself of the question that you're asking. You're like, you're like, I want to solve this, but I can't solve this because of this, and this is right because I can't solve this, and this is why. And so you're spinning. Does that make sense? Yeah. Which is why I'm kind of going to, I wanted to like poke a little bit and be like, yeah, but mm-hmm. stop the spinning and ask yourself why, you know? Right. Sorry, Danae, you were going to say something. No, the, yeah, yeah, Danae, go ahead. No, go ahead. I want to hear what you're going to say, Veronica. No, you're absolutely right. What, you know, what, what I'm, what I'm fearing is this, there's a blank space there. There's like a black box and someone can construct absolutely anything they want. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to sort of avoid is to have to defend myself mm-hmm. against someone's constructed story because I didn't tell them the full story. Because this has been your experience in the past where you've yes. been put in, you've been cast as a character and you've had to defend yourself in a way. So what you're doing is you're defending against that potentially happening again, which is why I'm poking at you saying, okay, so what? So what? And the reason why I'm asking you that question in kind of that like almost like aggressive way, right, is that Mm -hmm. the ego is trying to protect you from having to explain yourself or having to defend yourself in this way, right? But the authentic version of you, the authentic self in you is saying, I love myself no matter what. And they're in this, they're in this battle, right? Mm -hmm. The authentic self Mm -hmm. says, no, 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 I do accept my story. 
and I'm not ripping out mm, chapters, for sure. and I am doing the work of loving myself. And then the ego is saying, yeah, but don't get too comfortable with that because then if there's space here that you don't fill with telling them all of your story, then they're going to create a narrative and then you're going to have to defend it. And so you've got these like conflicting sides to yourself that I'm even watching come to light just as we're talking. Right. Because in one sentence, you'll say, no, 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 I accept my story fully. And then in the next sentence, you'll say, yeah, but, but what if they construct something? And then I have, so there, there's confliction there in even the way that you're showing up right now. Right. And so the reason why I'm kind of challenging that fear is the fear right now is calling the shots and fear is not vulnerability. I'm not sharing myself with you in its totality, in a way to be vulnerable with you, in a way to genuinely connect. I'm sharing out of fear. That's actually not Mm, vulnerability and that's not true connection. You're acting out of defense of self. So that's why I'm like, yeah, but why? Right? Like, where is that narrative coming from? Does that make sense? Mm. I think- Wow. Yeah. I want to rewind just a little bit to what you said before, Vanessa, because the way that I would say what you were saying is, I don't think in life we attract what we want. We attract what we believe to be true. Right. Right. So there is a part of you that attracts people that, as you were saying, some some guy said something about like there's shame in the story because some part of me is still holding that as the truth. And many of us were raised in households where, you know, you sort of present your highlight reel and there are certain things that you don't show the world and don't air your dirty laundry. I would say Mm -hmm. most of us maybe, but Mm -hmm. a lot of our work becomes that one, I get in deep relationship with my mess in radical acceptance. And that's that my Angela thing of like, wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. And I hear you speaking to that to an extent in that, like, I actually wouldn't change it. There are ways Mm -hmm. that I was forged in the fires that I moved through in ways that have made me the woman that I have become that I am proud of. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, Veronica, you don't know anybody your truth at any point until it is something that it feels true and real in the moment for me to share. However, I do think there is something to what I love to call the eight mile effect, right? Which is like, you know, have you ever seen the movie Eight Mile? where Eminem's like in this rap battle at the end of the movie. I'm going to give it away for anybody who's never seen it. But basically he knows that like, there's all of these things that like what they do is they like clown each other as they're rapping. And they say all of these things about like your life and your baby mama and all this stuff. And like, then you're like clowned and you like lose your cool or whatever. Right. So what he does is he says every possible thing that person could say about him first in radical acceptance. And then the guy has nothing to say. Now I'm not Mm. saying necessarily that you should do that, but energetically for yourself, your work is to be in the space of like, there is literally no shame in the mess around everything of my humanness because everybody has a mess. Everybody has a story. And PS, anyone who thinks that me revealing my mess at any moment means something about me that makes them not want to be with me, Thank you for exiting stage left and saving me the nonsense (laughs) of what a relationship with you would have been. Bye-bye. You know, it's literally that person is doing you an enormous favor favor by showing you who they are so that you can say, oof, (laughs) dodge that bullet. Like not energetically aligned with the type of person that I want to be in relationship with. And so that's what I mean when I say going back and really cleaning up my relationship with the way I'm holding my past. Wow, right. Yeah, I've never I've never really heard it presented that way because when 
it's my energy in that situation naturally because of a grand and I mean grand defamation episode because of rage and anger that I left a marriage which supposedly put the whole family name to shame and Mm -hmm. so on and so on which I'm not going to comment on in their eyes it did it was a marriage that was expired I moved in my beliefs and my views, I started questioning things. He went the other way, deeper into that ideology. And so it just, it was just bound to happen. There was, you know, I left in love and I still have so much love for that individual, even though I know that we cannot be together. So there was never any sort of anger from my side or any sort of grand show off. Whereas from their side, and this really ruined my stance and reputation so to speak with close friends or people I thought that were friends and members of community even within my career because it was a small community I eventually had to leave and so because I refused to defend myself because the accusations were absolutely bizarre they were so absurd I didn't know whether to laugh or cry or both or even believe that adults could come up with that kind of shit It was really Mm -hmm. quite creative, to be honest. But that leaves its marks, even though I knew that 100% of what was being said and believed about me and twisted, I had to accept that I was the villain in their story and I had to sort of Mm -hmm. break up with absolutely everyone in my mind, stopping to defend myself because that just becomes like a never-ending game of chasing your tail because new accusations come and... And so on yep. and so on. And that's just absurd. That was a game that I just refused to play because the more, the more you engage, the more wood you put on the fire, so to speak. But that sits so deep. And I think, I don't know if I haven't heard much about it, like defamation. So in lack of a better word, trauma, because mm-hmm. when you approach, when I moved to a new country, for example, and I approached a new workplace and a new community or a new sort of circle of people, some close friends were telling me you are acting like a scared dog (laughs) Mm. and trying to look your best and trying to present your best because you are just so afraid of being misinterpreted. And that's true. And that's exactly what you you two are saying to me that like, that's the energy I bring. I actually share out of fear because I'm like, hold on, just, just hear me out. Let me get ahead of this. You know, you used a word before that I think is important, and I want to invite you to like sit with this a little bit. You said an abnormal childhood, and Mm -hmm. I think that there's a way that it becomes important to say maybe different from what you've experienced, but I don't know anybody that has a quote normal childhood. I think the myth of normal is so much of what keeps us as a society suffering, feeling like somebody's life is perfect. Somebody has a perfect relationship with their parents. Somebody just had it easy, right? Nobody does. That's the beautiful thing about Vanessa and I being therapists. We know that's like (laughs) hogwash. Like it's just not true. And so I hold, yes, I, I maybe had challenges that were bigger than some, maybe because my calling in this life is bigger in some ways that I don't know yet. But I refuse to make that some sort of a maladaptive thing about me that I am keeping hidden in the shadows, attempting to, you know, get ahead of before someone has the ability to expose. I just, 
I think your work is to really not hold it that way, Veronica, because I think the more that you energetically hold that there was something abnormal or that there's something abnormal about you, that will be the energy that I bring into life and relationships and different circumstances. So essentially taking the charge out of it, because the more charge I put into it, the more charge it will be met with. It's a little bit of what you said about, I wouldn't change it. Like, I want you to like, for myself own, it was perfect. Mm -hmm. It was what my soul needed to experience to know the things it was meant to know in this lifetime. And so anyone who has any opinion of that, that is something other than that, like might not be the person for you, might be on the surface level in a way that you need a little bit more depth in terms of the connections that you are going to be a vibrational match for in this lifetime. Yeah. And I also think that like talking, bringing back up this word discernment, um, Mm. I think for those of us who do come from um, more challenges, uh, the muscle, the ability to discern is a little bit wounded or is a little bit atrophied, right? Mm. Um, And so in this work and in this practice that Danae is speaking to, this process of building the muscle of radical self-acceptance and radical acceptance of my story and what has, you know, what I've come from and what I've walked through, the muscle of discernment is, is, it goes hand in hand with that. And so I'm going to, also echo what Danae said a little while ago and say, you don't owe anyone any part of your story unless it feels right and justified in your body to share it. I will also Mm. say that not every person in your life is going to have the same level of depth of relationship with you and they shouldn't. Right. Right. Um, Now, I'm not saying go out there and have a ton of surface relationships because that's not for everybody, obviously, but there is a time and a place, right? Like there are some people in my life that don't need to know everything about me that I'm probably not going to have those kind of conversations with, or there's just not necessary to kind of go there. Like whether it's just because of circumstance, like how the relationship presents itself, maybe it's like a work relationship, for example, or Mm. whether it's because I just know that this person is not trustworthy in that way, because I have that level of discernment, that muscle has been established in myself. Um, I just don't go there. I just don't. Right. And then I have these other people in my life that I know that I can trust and that can hold this, you know, part of myself that I then might share things with, but I don't think it's an all or nothing. And that's what I kind Mm -hmm. of jumped on before when you said that is it's not like, well, if I say this one thing then I have to say all of the things. And I was like, why, why does that feel like the call? Right. That feels like a very black and white, very all or nothing, very fear based way of Mm. getting ahead, air quotes, getting ahead of somebody rejecting me. Right. And I would say that actually coming back to a place of discernment is, is, is going to be one of your biggest practices here. Why do I feel the need to overshare? What is the fear coming Mm. back to the fear? And this is part of what Danae and I talk about a lot with people. What is the fear coming back to the fear? The fear is driving the, the cart here, right? What am I afraid of? And sitting with that inquiry with myself, what am I afraid of? 
right? How is fear playing a role in the way that I'm showing up in this relationship? What this brings up exactly <laughs> is the times when I was speaking about, in lack of a better expression, it sounds so bizarre to say it, but I had to deconstruct it backward with mm -hmm. professionals to actually understand that I was raped. And But when I was sharing this with close people around me, in the biggest, deepest detail that I could go into, and as you know, and I've discovered later that memory isn't really etched in the mind in those cases the same way as we remember normal, random, non-charged memories. And... I heard it from several people that they don't believe me, mm. that I'm making things up, that I'm just creating some stories to be to be attended to when I didn't want to share the story to begin with. Yeah. And so those moments when you know you will look terrible. And you're not doing that to get attention. You're just sharing something that you would rather not share and you don't know how to make sense out of it. And when the closest people to you refuse to believe you and then also accuse you of creating it to get attention, when that happened a couple of times in an interrogative manner, it leaves you so bashed. And I refused to sort of believe it. I thought, okay, well, fine, whatever, then that must have not happened. And I actually brought it up with some others, other friends or close people and, and then professionals like three years later. I didn't want to speak of it because it's so, there's so much shame in it. Because the first question as a woman that you get is, so what were you doing there anyway? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. What were you wearing? Why were yeah, you talking exactly. to this guy? Yeah. Yeah. And so on and so on. Yeah. I just want to name Veronica, you know, when Vanessa's talking about discernment, I think that work becomes about me being my own fierce protector mm -hmm. and not about me like holding value in the person that is going to receive this in a shaming or rejecting way. So anybody who shames you or rejects you for the experiences you've had, or, um, you know, the fact that you've been divorced, I, I am going to stand by, I think those aren't your people. <laughs> and I, and I am not going to like say that uh, like without apology. And I agree with what Vanessa is saying. A lot of the discernment is about how I take care of myself well, and that the tender parts of my heart are not for everyone to hold. Um, because that is re-traumatizing for mm -hmm. me to bring that up in spaces that don't have the capacity to hold it with the reverence that it deserves. Does that make sense? But it's not about how they feel about it. It's about how I take care of me. It just, one doesn't want to be, as a woman, the woman that creates the whole wave of 
when you sit in front of someone like, I've been through so much. Or, you know, look at me, I've gone through so much crap. Or look at me, I've been through so much hardship. Somehow it's as if it's back in an old chapter of life that I'm working through independently and on the side. But at the same time, I'm someone that wants to stay honest to myself and to the person in front of me. So the balance between honesty and self-respect is just so... There's no one that can really advise you in that moment what's right to do. And because I yearn so much, like I really long to do the right thing, that it just brings me to despair. And what happens eventually is that I just close myself off. And I think I would rather present that persona and completely put everything in the past or create some sort of a story. But that puts you into another wave of essentially dishonesty. And so the core belief, what I'm fearing is that if I stand there telling my story, and that fear is valid, is that once you open yourself like that, someone will just either take that because they cannot unknow it, or they will, best case scenario, just say no thank you. And is that something I'm prepared to relive again? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> that I yeah. ask myself. Veronica, I want to give you a permission slip right now to slow down, mm -hmm. um, to slow down your entire process of where you feel like you need to be when you feel like you need to be there. You are building that trust that Vanessa is talking about um, in terms of that muscle of discernment. And there's no rush. You have done, I can hear in the words that you are saying, so much incredible work already. Um, and that will continue. But a lot of times I feel like we feel like we need to muscle ourselves into a place that we just aren't there yet. And mm -hmm. I want you to like big breath it out and give yourself so much grace, so much acknowledgement and say, there's nowhere I need to be other than right where I am. And when it is time for me to start bringing people in on um, the tender truths that I hold within me, I'll know. But until mm -hmm. then, no rush. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I suppose it's that fear and defensive energy that I feel from the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and very real, it's, and it's going to keep head. coming. It's going to come in waves, and you know we're we're a bit like onions, and that there's just a constant new layer <laughs> to be peeled, right? And to Danae's point there's also no such thing as an end point. You're not going to hit a point where suddenly all is healed and all is perfect. And I'm perfectly able to trust myself all the time and discern all the time with complete accuracy. Like that's just, you know, we backslide and we misstep and we learn and we pivot and we grow and this is it. This is forever and ever. Right. Um, and so it does feel, I'm glad that Danae said that it feels a little bit like I see where I want to be. I want to be mm. the kind of person that X, Y, Z, right? 
And so I want to act in a way that's like this, but maybe you're just not there yet. And that's not in any way a bad thing. That doesn't in any way say that you haven't done work or you haven't been growing. Um, you're getting there. And so right now, I think some more of the work for you is kind of the different things that Danae and I have proposed, which is the sitting with yourself and and allowing the grief to to be there and um, you know, questioning the fear and doing a little bit more of that kind of inner excavation work, right? Because it feels like that's where the focus needs to be in this moment and that what you're really desiring and wanting will come. Mm-hmm. But first, we need to take a breath and we need to slow down and we need to be mm-hmm. where we're at in our process. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I think it would be wise to be very protective of your story and very protective of those tender parts of yourself. Um, because also, you know, there's this this little thing even within the therapy world, which is like, it can sometimes be a little unwise to be out in public speaking on a topic or teaching on a topic or instructing on a topic that you are also still in process with yourself. Right. And so even in that, it's like, it's like, hold where you're at, hold your process and know that you're in process and you don't need to be out there steps ahead of yourself. Right. That protection of self might be a good place. Sorry, V. I just want to add in what you're saying, there's so much richness and beauty in who you are beyond the aspects of yourself that we're asking you to be a little bit protective of. There are so many elements of Veronica that people are going to love and cherish being in relationship with. Those are a part of your story, but they are not the whole story that encapsulates you. And so just because you have to give yourself the grace of not like spilling all of that out until it feels true, um, does not mean that you have to like be guarded and not let people anywhere near you because those things aren't who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I want you to, um, keep us posted. Okay. Send us an email. Let us know how you're doing. Um, thank you. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much. I think what, what really helped me to, to hear was that that's not who I am. And it sounds so cliche, but when people continuously do, when people continuously tell you that your past and what you've been through is who you are, that's what you end up believing. Of course. But that really helped me to hear that there are so many more aspects of me that are not necessarily connected with those 25 years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's, let's Which I had no on. control over. And share and that. discovering and creating those aspects of yourself and continuing to evolve. So mm-hmm. much to come. Excited mm-hmm. for you. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com